Hello, listeners. Welcome to the inaugural episode of 444 Westminster, a podcast about city planning in Providence with information that will undoubtedly be transferable to planning and development in many different areas of the country and the globe. My name is Tim Rondo, and I'm the Director of Communications and External Affairs for Providence City Planning and Development. Now, I joked on the trailer for this pod that my title is gratuitously long, and I'm kind of thinking that I might make it longer for each of these episodes, like the Director of Communications and External Affairs for Providence City Planning and Development, and maybe Nostalgia for Snacks from the 1990s. Um, I recently bought uh, Dunkaroos off of Amazon in a moment of weakness. Um, If anyone remembers that, feel free to let us know. Um, But I certainly remember it, and uh, it was definitely a, a good buy. Um, As I mentioned in the trailer, the goal of this podcast is simple, to provide our listeners with short, digestible interviews with subject matter experts to explain topics related to city planning. Um, We may play games during this podcast. We may veer off course. I'm hosting it, so we pretty much absolutely will veer off course. Um, But we promise to provide you with quick information about a wide variety of planning topics. And today on our inaugural episode, I am joined by one of those subject matter experts and one of my favorite people who work for the city. Our guest today is the Deputy Director of Providence's Department of Art, Culture, and Tourism, which is commonly referred to as ACT, where she manages the ACT Public Art Program, facilitates creative placemaking projects, and develops cultural policy. She has served as the project manager for Art in City Life Plan, the city's first master plan for public art, and the planning process for the city's second, second excuse me, cultural plan, PVD by 2031, a cultural plan for cultural shift. In 2020, Americans for the Arts named her the American Express Emerging Leaders Honoree. She serves on the board of directors for International Charter School in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, and she is a performer, a writer, a birth doula. Her, creator, her creative work centers ancestry, magic, and intergenerational resilience. So without further ado, please welcome Gina Rodriguez-Drix. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Tim. Thank you for having me. This is fun. This is fun. And it's, uh, it's not often that we get to do strictly fun projects, as we discussed before we hit record. So I'm happy to have you as my first guest um, so before we get into today's, into today's topic, I wanted to do some rapid fire questions that I hope you're up for because one of them is super silly, but, um, I sort of got the idea from Stephen Colbert. He does this on his show and he asks celebrities like 10 of the same questions and, yeah. um, it ends up being really funny. Mine's not going to be funny because I am not Stephen Colbert, but we're going to do it anyways. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Sounds great. All right. Um, So what is one thing that you learned about yourself during the pandemic? Oh, I think like a lot of us, I learned a lot about myself during the pandemic. Um, I realized how much of an introvert I actually am. I think I had to really just accept the fact that I am someone who likes to sit under a blanket with a cup of coffee in silence. Um, And I've actually really appreciated the time to be able to do that. So yeah. And not feel guilty about it. Like I used to feel yeah. um, guilty about like not doing things or, or choosing home over some social event. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good to have balance, but I also am, I'm good with staying home. I've, I've become better at it. And I think it's, yeah. 
it's that, um, that concept of self-care that is all elusive. So good, good, good one. Um, favorite spot to visit in Providence. That's another tough one. I think, um, Roger Williams park. Good that's one. Like my, that's my home. 150 my home years this year, 150 years. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. I also love Wicked and street, just the architecture along. And there's some, there's something about the way the sun hits at certain times of the day. Wicked is just beautiful. It's just a beautiful place to just walk and. It absolutely feel, is. Feel when, I went to, <clears throat> when I went to school down here, um, or in like the early two thousands, um, Wickenden was one of those streets that I would just, I would frequent so often because they have that amazing sushi restaurant over there and then coffee. And then like, you just walk up and down and experience it. So I, I totally mm-hmm. agree. Um, this is an odd one, but what is better than peanut butter? Nothing. That's right. That's the correct answer. I what feel like the- it's up there. It's like up there with like crucial. <laughs> it's like up there with coffee and wine. Like how do you Absolutely. have a life without those three? I don't That's- know. No, you're right. And I, I can't believe that you got the correct answer. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to have to think of a different question for the next one. But um, lastly, what is your favorite thing to do to unplug? Um, depends on the mood. So like okay. I said, I love, I love a quiet night. I also love salsa dancing. Yeah, so absolutely. depends on the vibe. Depends okay. on what I need. I love yeah. that. Um, all right. You are, um, you are off the hook for Gino 101. I think that went very well. Um, <laughs> all right. Now that we have some of those important questions answered, let's move on to the topic of today's pod, which I know is one of your favorite topics and mine, frankly, public art. Um, let's Yay. just start off with the basics. Yeah. Um, it seems obvious, but hoping um, you can provide some nuance to what is public art and what is the brief history of public art in Providence, if you can. Sure. Yeah. So I think when we, when they, we say the word public art, we often think of murals or we think of sculpture, but really public art can also include ephemeral pieces and performance. So it's really, it's art in the public realm. Um, and so a lot of our work in this area has to do with both events and also um, objects in our public art program is really more focused on the object piece and our other programs throughout the department focus on more of the ephemeral. But I think in the wider definition, we think of all of it um, and really what makes a place a place. Um, you know, public art is really crucial to our understanding of a cultural identity that's rooted in a location um, and that kind of links different communities and people across, across the spectrum um, in the public realm. Absolutely. I, um, I, I don't know if, <laughs> I made this observation or if I, if I uh, inadvertently stole it from someone else, but I think one of the great things about public art is, is being able to both collectively and individually experience um, a piece. Like there's a sort of like collective consciousness that is able to um, take away from some piece um, different things. Mm-hmm. And into that, like we all have individual experience. We, we, we bring different ideas and, and, uh, you know, things from our past and we project and we, um, we discern and, and it's important. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's like, it's democratizing and accessible mm. because, you know, museum spaces are inherently, you know, many times we think of a museum as an elite space that's yeah. inaccessible to everyday people, but public art is right there. And anyone walking by, driving by in the vicinity can experience it. Um, and at 24 seven. 
Absolutely. So it's a, it's, it's a way to reach people in, in a way that our other parts of our sector or our cultural life um, are often more alienating. I love that. Um, yeah. yeah. So what, what, how has Providence um, delved into public art in the past? And, and I, I know we're going to get into what we're doing now, but um, how did we become a city that values um, this space? Yeah. I mean, we've always, I mean, every city has no shortage of creatives, but you know, we, we do call ourselves a creative capital and we do really support our artists and our creative community here. Um, speaking of, from the perspective of a municipality, we had a percent for our ordinance on the books since before you and I were born. So 1980, wow. there was an ordinance calling for 1% of capital improvement projects to support public art. And it actually wasn't enforced until the Alorza administration in 2016. So we, you know, had lots of things were built. There was a river that was, you know, moved and that didn't end up going towards public art, unfortunately. But that was something that nationally different cities around the country were developing in order to find a funding mechanism uh, for public art. And then and Mayor Lorza in 2016 established the Art and City Life Commission, which then worked towards activating that ordinance. And we're finally at that stage right now um, where we've been able to do that before the it ordinance was in place. We had that funding available. Of course, our department had funded public art projects um, and we have great organizations in the city that have been working towards building public art for many years. Of course. Um, the Steel Yard, the Avenue Concept, uh, the Dirt Palace and others have done work. And there's, you know, murals all over the city that are not necessarily affili- affiliated with our department, but right. that's certainly something that's been an evolving thing over time. Amazing. Um, yeah. Shout out to those organizations. Amazing work. Amazing work. Um, in recent years, it seems as though, you know, as you spoke to public art has really become a part of the fabric of Providence. Um, what do you attribute that to? Well, really the activation of the, that ordinance and the establishment of the art and city life commission, which then allowed us to build this program. So we have a master plan now, and we have these four trajectories that we work within through our department. So we have uh, a robust program that really, the plan was published in 2019 um, and we went right to work in in building that out. I'm sorry, 2018. Um, And now we have a whole record of artist residencies and different departments or in community-based organizations, temporary works, permanent works, works integrated into the civic infrastructure. Um, We just have a robust program that really took off because there was a real eagerness to build it. And our community was ready to put the, you know, roll up their sleeves and get the work done. And it's been really fun. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's super fun to work with artists on this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Are there any cities that you personally admire for their public art infrastructure besides Providence? Seattle is like, Oh yes. I mean, for all (laughs) things, Seattle, honestly, let's let's head out. (laughs) But it rains. rains, I know, but you know, and it's cold. But yeah, just in terms of like a radical municipality that really pushes an agenda and has a lot of resources um, for public art, definitely Seattle. Um, Philadelphia is pretty cool. Pittsburgh. I mean, there's, there's really, again, like I said, like public art is really democratizing. And so there's really, the boundaries can be pushed through public art in a way that um, other things can really push it. And sort of related to that, what, what do you think the tangible benefits of a robust municipal public art program are? I mean, it, public art projects are expensive. Yeah. Um, 
And so having a robust program allows for that, you know, to be developed and really similar to museum settings, you know, the art world can be very elite. And so government spending in the arts is really important. It's how we make sure that all people have access to funding and that all communities are, you know, have access to art. And so the equity piece is really dependent on government structures um, to be in place. So that's, that's for public art, but that's also for public humanities. It's also for public radio and media. Like we need that in order to have a democracy that functions, I really believe. So absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, totally agree. Um, I, I personally won't ask you to choose favorites because I don't want to get you into any trouble, but um, I know we have some amazing concepts that are in development right now. What are, uh, what are some details you can share about some upcoming projects? Um, yeah, so we have uh, Angela Gonzalez Agonza, who's going to be installing a mural at Lillian Feinstein Senior Center uh, later this spring, and that's going to be gorgeous. All of her work is just incredible. Um, and we have lots of projects in various stages of development. Um, so I can just give the highlights. We have a lot coming up this spring and summer. Uh, our sidewalk tattoos are going to be coming. So we ran a poetry competition, poetry and design competition last year. 30 artists um, were awarded and we are uh, developing stamps that will be put in wet cement um, pretty soon. And we'll have poetry across the city, which is really, really fun. Um, and then new works coming at Davy Lopes Rec at um, the Bailey Baxter new green schoolyard that's coming, RFK Elementary um, and others. So we have lots of calls going out and we'll have lots of pieces coming into play by the end of the summer. I will be looking out for all of those and I'm sure that you'll keep me in the loop on them so I won't have to look out for them, but um, super exciting, especially for, I I just, I love the concept of a a sidewalk stamp. I think it's going to, it's going to do wonders for our neighborhoods and um, you know, everything that you mentioned is going to be incredible. But um, one more question for you. Uh, What would you say to someone who is outside of our, um, our artist bubble who may be skeptical of the value of public art? I would say that I get it. Like I get it. Of course. Like it's really hard to talk about funding the arts when people are hungry and unhoused. Like it's a real dynamic. I think um, the thing that I would respond with is, we also deserve beautiful things. Yeah. And we also deserve to be in a place that honors artists as, you know, people that deserve work. And Absolutely. so, and that artists are also dealing with hunger and being unhoused. And so these things are important to build. But that the fact that these are now funded and the fact that um, we're, we're taking advantage of an ordinance that was um, put in place so many years ago, I think speaks to maybe the hunger for, um, things like this to pop up. We're not the creative capital for, for no reason. I think that there is just, just an immense amount of talent. Um, most of which we're aware of, but maybe larger Providence community is not aware of. And so, you know, to, um, sort of lift up these, these folks that do such exceptional work and, and to, and to inspire, um, you know, tourism, um, that's, that's something that I think that, often isn't tied directly back to public art, but people want to see beautiful things, like you said. And I think um, the more stuff we create and the more um, content that Pete is intriguing and and groundbreaking, um, the more that folks will want to visit Providence and and see that we have stuff to offer that um, maybe they weren't aware of before. So I think that that plays into it as well. 
Um, well, thank you so much for your insights, Gina, and, um, and kudos to you and our community artists for really enriching the city with our installations, um, exceptional work by everyone involved, and we'll be on the lookout for those projects you mentioned. Um, the city regularly puts out calls for public art, so be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Providence ACT. Um, and thanks to you, listener. We plan on uploading a new episode every other Thursday. So subscribe to us anywhere you listen to your podcast to get new episodes delivered to your feed when they are posted. Um, and as I said, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Prob Planning and the, De- and, the De- and the Department of Art, Culture, Tourism. Um, I will put those handles in the show notes. Thank you, Gina. I appreciate you always. Um, thanks for Thank talking you. to me today. Yeah. Until next time. Thanks all. Bye.